0: Sheila Escovedo, you might know her as Sheila E., is a force to be reckoned with in the world of music and percussion. In fact, most of her family is, too. For starters, her father, the legendary percussionist Pete Escovedo, is to blame. It was Pete who trained his daughter Sheila and sons Juan and Peter Michael to follow in his footsteps into the world of music. Today, they're accomplished composers, producers, and, of course, percussionists. We all know of Sheila's days touring and recording with Prince. That's when she changed her name to Sheila E., but after a long career playing with the best of the best, including Prince, Natalie Cole, George Duke, Ringo Starr, Gloria Estefan, Marvin Gaye, and so many more, Sheila E. has returned to join her father and her brothers for the first time to record their first ever family project, Now and Forever. It's an impressive project from a family that continues to leave its mark on the music world. Inside Music Cast welcomes the beautiful and talented Sheila E. Hey Sheila, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Well, we've got a ton to talk about, and I know we don't have a lot of time, so I want to dive right into what's happening with you right now, and and the first being your incredible new album project that you created with uh, members of your family, the E! Family, Mm -hmm. and the album is called uh, Now and Forever. And, you know, you've performed with your family members on various projects over the years, but is is this the first time that you've collaborated on an original album together?
1: Yeah, it is actually the first time, which was pretty... uh, Surprising to us once we discussed it about three years ago, three or four years ago, and we realized that we had played on each other's projects, but we had never done a project together as a family. We hadn't done a, a CD before and or written songs together. Wow. Um, we've done it, yeah, we've done it on each other's projects, maybe you know one or two of us together and producing each other's projects, but not together as a family. So it was surprising to us to, to realize, like, are you kidding? We haven't done this. So yeah. it was a good time <laughs> to do it.
2: Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, your father, Pete, as everybody knows, Pete Escovedo is a legendary percussionist over the years, and he's been in the music business for over 50 years. So it's your dad and your brothers, Juan and Peter Michael, and yourself that came together for this project. What, uh, you know, as as writers, composers, producers, and percussionists, what did each family member bring to the project? Well,
1: we each individually brought... Are 25%, which is what we had to figure out. <laughs> we're all used to being our own leaders in and, and projects and, and even being hired by other artists to be in charge of, you know, the project. This time we had to sit down and figure out what we could do so that we could... Um, the best working environment and how we were going to split up, you know, equally to have everyone have their say in this project. And that was the most challenging part. Once we got that down, it was perfect. So the concept of the CD was to basically have all four of us come together musically and and why we say now forever which is the title is because musically our our music has been something that has started with the legacy of Pops and that being that far uh, you know back in the 60s the 50s and the 60s what he's brought to the table since then and now and forever will forever be this music and that's what He has wanted it to be for his life and his career to continue to support Latin jazz music. So not to exclude that in the project, that was uh, something that we had to make sure was the foundation of what we were going to write and and not exclude Pops. Because the three of us uh, children, um, basically our upbringing is not only the Latin jazz and what Pops brought in, in the household every single day, but it was also the music that we grew up grew up listening to in the time that we grew up was which was any anyone that was uh, on, on Motown Records, you know, anyone from sure. Motown from the yeah. you know the Temptations, the Stevie mm-hmm. and then, you know, James Brown and then anybody who was in, we were influenced with from from the Bay Area, which would be all the Bay Area artists and at that time it was Mantana mm-hmm. and it was Flystone, Larry Graham, Point of Sisters, Tower Powered. I mean the list goes on and on and on. So right to be influenced by all of that music and also keep the Latin jazz a little bit of that flavor and then also make it new, you know, we had to sit down and discuss how is that going to be possible. Right, yeah. So um, that's what we did. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you just mentioned a bunch of incredible names, uh, you know, influences. But, you, you know, you, you brought in some pretty amazing guests for this project, including Earth, Wind & Fire, Josh Stone, uh, Israel Houghton, uh, Gloria Cephon, Raphael Sadiq, George Duke, Damon Castillo, and, and even Wes Quave. And I mean, that's a serious list of talent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah really.
1: It, it was very cool. We made a A-list of, of uh, artists that we wanted to perform on the CD. And uh, what happened was at the particular time that we were recording – with the list that we had, we mm-hmm. had to see who was available, who wasn't out on tour, who was in town, who was available to come and actually be a part of the project. So once we knew Earth, Wind & Fire was going to be on board, the drummer and I wrote a song for Earth, Wind and & Fire, and then Peter Michael wrote one for them as well. And then when we knew it, Gloria Stefan was going to be involved, uh, Emilio and I and Peter Michael got together to write something. So we all started writing together, figuring out if that person came on board, you know, we wanted to bring a part of them on the CD as well so that they would feel a part of the project. And um, and then Pops wrote a song about moms and, and Juan featured, uh, you know, just to show who he is as an artist with all of his percussion. He did a song just about percussion. So everybody had, you know, uh, we tried to involve all the artists in what we were doing. Even with Joss Stone, I called her to say, hey, um, she wanted me to play on her project. I said, let's do a, a trade. So, you know, whatever wow, you want to do. Cool. Yeah. But I like to write with you as well. So if you give me an idea, if it's a song title, whatever you want to do, give me an idea, and um, mm-hmm. and then we'll create that way. She was in London. So what I did was uh, she sent me something that she s- uh, said, said and sang on her phone, used to 20 seconds or something. And then uh, I created the song. And once she came into, uh, she flew into L.A., She came to the studio, and she liked what I played her, and then she did the vocals, and that's how we wrote that song. So every song was written in a different way. Uh, It wasn't always the same way. The process of writing the song was the same way. But again, to include all of those artists, knowing that list was, I mean, we had 20, 30 people we would like to have had on the CD, but at that time, those were the artists who were available to, to play on the CD.
0: But, you know, as far as this amazing guest list that we just talked about who performed on this album, um, was it was it your idea from the beginning to bring in these guys like Earth, Wind, and Fire, Joss Stone, and some of the others? Or did these invitations sort of evolve as you began discovering the directions of, of the songs?
1: Well, what we wanted to do was, um, it was brought to our attention by the initial record company that wanted us to, that we had signed to. They said, hey, it would be great to get some of your, your friends on the CD. And we said, well, of course, we wanted to do that anyway. We thought that it would be great to include some of the artists that we grew up listening to and that are close friends of ours. And that's a huge list because we've been in the business for so long. Um, But then once uh, we started doing the project again, checking off the list, it's like we knew we wanted to do something Latin. Um, We wanted to even have Carlos Santana to play guitar, but we couldn't get uh, the schedules together, so that was out, but we got mm-hmm. Gloria and Stefan. We wanted them both to be on a song because I had done a song on Gloria's record as well, that she had uh, Carlos and I on, the, on one song and a couple of the other, you know, uh, amazing uh, Cuban uh, artists. So the concept kind of evolved knowing that, yes, we were going to get that artist and this flavor of music. We knew that, you know, it was going to be Latin influenced as well, but we also wanted to bring the Latin old school, a little bit of Oakland in there for sure with a little bit of hip-hop mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we're used to doing that as well. So every um, song, like even with Josh Stone, that song we knew it was going to be a little bit on the R&B side and definitely because Rafael Fadiq has been a part of our sure. family since, you know, the early 80s.
2: What a talent. Um, a, what a having talent. him
1: on it and because he writes with Josh all the, t- Josh all the time, that was just a, a given, you know, and then to have George Duke because the influence and starting with him as well. So everybody... It didn't matter if it was the five that we picked or six that we picked now with Israel Houghton, the gospel, you know, we had to have that on it, yeah. So it it was like anybody that we picked, there was a story and a reason for it, so we, we couldn't go wrong with anyone that was on the list.
2: Well, you know, you definitely have such a myriad of, of style—not only styles of songs, but with the artists. And you know, uh, we've been sort of devouring this album over the past few weeks. And and uh, you know, I for one really really dig it. It's one of our favorite albums for 2011. And uh, oh,
1: that's awesome! It really—it re- it,
2: it really is. It's very fresh. I mean, I'm Latino. I'm a keyboardist, and you know, so I, the things that you're talking about really resonate with me with me personally. But I tell you something: this this really has the, a neat mix of, like you said the hip hop and the it's got you know the, the West Quave vibe to it and of course the Carlos Santana it, everything's really mixed in but it all fits so nicely it's not as if it's just forced together it, it really it was very cohesive you know and uh, yeah. a few of the, the tracks that we like on the album are like I Like It which I'm very interested in who did the background vocals on that another track is <laughs> Get Out of My Way which uh, and then of course Live Percussion Jam which is the last that's track that's my favorite is that yours? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Really need uh, this is probably a very unfair question, but are they all your favorite, or does one personally stand out for you that might be your favorite as opposed to, uh, you know, to, to Peter Michaels or Juan's?
1: No, I think that the, it, it is an unfair question in a sense, and, and sometimes I, you know, it's hard to say. It's like in the moment, what is my favorite? Well, yeah. they're all my favorite because the thing is, is like putting together that that CD and what we went through to put it together you know, trying to figure out who we were individually, we already knew. But together as a family, what did that mean? Because the three of us kids, like I said, we knew the the music that we were influenced mm-hmm, by and, of mm-hmm. course, watching Pops. But then the icing on the cake was no one has Pops. That's the legacy. That's our icing on, on the cake. So, right, 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 Like to have Pops and his influence and to, to have a little bit of that old school in there, you know. It was funny when we were recording uh, Pops, you know, we wanted to make sure that everybody had a little bit of say on every single track, and there were some songs like "I Like It" or or uh, yeah, "I Like It" that has no horns on it. Right. Pops says we got to put horns on on "I Like It," and we we're saying, "Well, Pops, you know, not every song has to have horns on it." Well, but that's his sound. His sound is I got to have six horn players yeah, playing parts. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. that is that is his you know his his sound. But then he had to get used to well, I guess maybe he doesn't need horns, you know, so that was a thing working that out and trying uh-huh. to figure out you know how it would work, so definitely, I like it, uh, Peter Michael and I did the backs on that, and um that's one that's the first single out right now, which is uh uh we're really happy about it. it's the number one requested song here in the Bay Area right now, they're playing the heck out of it. It's a nice track, and um, yeah it's it's doing really well and Damon Castillo, the song, Get Out of My Way, I love that song. It's so different than anything that we would do, but uh, the story behind that was I was, this is really crazy, but I was visiting my cousin in prison in San Luis Obispo. I was driving back, my manager and I, and we were driving back, and we stopped in San Luis Obispo, um, a a spot around that area. We stopped at at this hotel because it looked like a really nice hotel. We wanted to get something to eat, and it was on the water, so we stopped. And when we got in there, it was kind of empty and I thought, well, maybe they're closed. And we went to the restaurant and the guy said, no, everybody's outside. So they sat us by the water and we looked out there and the the, uh, radio station was doing this big party out there and there was this band playing and it was Damon Castillo, this little, (laughs) small, little white guy who had a funky band and his voice was incredible. And I thought, who the heck is this guy? I've never even heard of him before. (laughs) So the radio station, he was popular in that area. So... I asked the guy in the restaurant, I asked him if he could just give Damon my information. I would like to talk to him. And Damon called and we just said, man, I don't know what you're doing, but I would love to write a song or get a song for you. We're doing an album. I've never heard of you before, but you're an incredible songwriter. And that's how we got his song.
2: Look at that. That's neat. And that's get out of my way.
1: And that's get out of my way. And then live percussion jam was something that, uh, Peter, Michael, we were talking about earth, wind and fire. And when, um, you know, grew up when we grew up listening to their music, and they actually used to open up for my dad's band, Azteca. So, the Earth Wind Fire, they go back a, a long time, sure, 40 right. years or so. Yeah, they used to open up for my dad's band when they first started. So, yeah. to turn back around and all of us play together like this was pretty awesome. So, uh, Peter Michael, <laughs> well, I want to also write a song about uh, Earth Wind and Fire and, and both of us playing together because. You know, it, that would be the thing to do. And and we actually in the show right now we open up with live percussion jam. It's amazing, and we have a lot of fun with that song.
0: Well, it's a very fun tune. It's it's very cool. A lot of high energy. And uh, let's stop and take a listen. This is live percussion jam by Sheila E. and the E Family, along with Earth, Wind, and Fire. was live percussion jam by Sheila E. and the E. family off their new album, Now and Forever. Kim Riley, who's one of our correspondents who lives down in Boca Raton, Florida, uh, she has a question for you, Sheila.
3: Hi, Sheila. Hi. We've always loved the great horn arrangements, and this album definitely has them. Can you tell us about the horn playing, writing, and arranging?
1: Well, definitely the horn arrangements uh, pretty much, again, like I said earlier, is that pop's that is his sound, is having horns on every song that he can. Even if it was a ballad, he'd have horns on a ballad. Right. Um, but it, it's part of the sound, and it's part of what we were—we grew up listening to was in Latin jazz music was a lot of horns and the arrangements of horns. So uh, definitely on some of the songs, uh, we kind of made up things ourselves. Pops heard horn lines, Peter Michael, everyone had an idea of what the horn should sound like, and it came from all of us to to figure out what that would be and how many, so- uh, how many horn players it would be. Definitely on, on the uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire songs, we used as much of the Earth, Wind, Fire band as we could mixed with the Escobito, the E-Family band as well. So it was pretty cool because the guys were excited to play with our band as well as us playing with them. Um, and it consisted of some of them were four horn players, some of them were six, and then we tripled the parts, you know, to make it sound like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, and and as well as with uh, dance and some of the Latin songs that we did, um, you know, specific for that for that song is what we what we did to make it sound right.
3: Yeah, it's very cool.
0: You know, the per- the percussion on this album is obviously tasteful. You know. Very pristine and, and really not overplayed, which is, when you think about it, you've got, you know, your whole family, basically, are percussionists. So, you know, it, it could have gone nuts, but but it's very tasteful, I think, and it's you know, there's a lot of great balance on this production. Were you ever afraid that it would be percussion-heavy, and how did you approach the project with so much percussive talent?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I mean, here's the thing is, you've got four percussion players, and we all <laughs> play everything, so we trade off all the time, even during the show. So it, that's always been our conversation, and we, and that's our competitiveness of, well, who's going to play the solo on this song? I want to. No, I want to. So we get, once we figure out who's going to play the solo, well, who's going to play this part? So what we did was we split up the songs. Well, you know, I play drums on this song, so let Peter Michael play on this song, play drums. Well, yeah. one, you should play the timbali solo on this, because I took the timbali solo on the other one. So we tried to split it up and make it even so everyone had a chance to shine in their own way. That's cool. And it not be too much. But then the part about being a percussion player is the key to it is when not to play, and people don't know that. That's right. You're you're supposed to know when not to play. Uh And if you figure that out, then we can all four of us have a conversation without stepping on each other's feet. And so... What happens is, again, being a percussion player, it's like looking at a painting. If you look at a painting and it's done and they've asked you to put one color, you've got to find where that one spot is to mm-hmm. add that color, whether it be one shaker or a tambourine hit or, you know, playing something that a color that flows throughout is the thread of the song, and that one color would be the thread. That's our job in being percussion players.
0: Yeah, and, and something else that kind of go, coincides with that same notion is the, really from a musical standpoint, the art of space. Really appreciating yes. space in music and in what to do with it and how to use it, and sometimes sometimes a lot of music is just is just filled too much. That space gets compacted with too much stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. absolutely. And yeah. that's the thing is you got to let stuff breathe. And people, like I said, you have to know when not to play. And that's in all instruments, you know. A- again, to let yeah, it really, breathe yeah. and and to to you know try to break down like playing something like Earth, Wind, and Fire, Maurice White, and you know and and David Foster, them writing a lot of those songs together. I mean, they're complex, and when you think about it, when you break it down to try to write a song to make it sound like Earth, Wind, and Fire, like Peace and Joy, when I wrote that with the drummer friend of mine and who's now in Earth, Wind, Fire, John Paris, to write that song, we had to think, you know, this is who they are, this is how they would sound if they did it, this is what they would sound like, and when they first heard Peace and Joy, they flipped out because they said, man, this should be on the record, this sounds more like us than we do, and that was a compliment.
0: Yeah, that's really mm-hmm. cool.
2: You mentioned uh, George Duke was uh, um, a contributor to the project. You know, I've always admired his playing. And uh, and did he do all the the salsero type of piano uh, licks on on this whole project? Was he part of of, um, of of the Latin music keyboard parts, or what what portions did he contribute to Sheila?
1: No, he did. He actually did a, a synthesizer moog, okay. a little bit of the clav part on the Johnstone tune. The mm-hmm. other half of me,
0: okay. All right. Well, I want to take a uh, quick break and play the first single released from Now and Forever. And this is a track called I Like It.
4: On my drift on the side and that's the way I like it. Staying true to the game, he's the only one to claim acclaiming, that's the way I like it. I'm gonna drop that top, ain't nobody gonna stop me, I ain't trying to hide it. Gonna do my thing, hang with the gang, did I tell you why? Cause that's the way I like it.
1: Trunk full of my surprises, baby boy. Now it's time to ride. Lay back, close your eyes, now watch me try and touch the sky. We just gonna glide, ain't no rush. So luxury, it don't matter if they pass my bus. I want my watch to show, so I'ma roll up my cuffs. Plus, got a pocket full of in God we trust. We are gonna shop when we get there. Yo, as long as it's somewhere with swimwear. Yo, whatever it is, we in the magazine. People saying that's how we supposed to live. So I'm supposed to get get away from the crib. Living like kids, we riding low like the car was stolen. We both from the block, so that's the showboatin'. It's looking so good that it's hard to stay focused.
4: track
0: Go way back, and I want to chat about growing up in the Escovado family. You know, with your father being a professional musician, along with you know your brothers Juan and Peter Michael, it almost seems like you know just looking at it from that standpoint, it seems like it was your destiny <laughs> to be in, you know have a career in the world of music. But yeah, right. but I was just curious about it was something I don't find when I really researched you and looked at you know your career your mother and your sister, your Juanita and, and Zena. Are they also musicians? Well,
1: my mom grew up. Uh, we have two sides. Pops is very musical. Moms is very competitive and an athlete. Hmm. Her, all her brothers and sisters very athletic, but they also took music as well. So they did. They used to take lessons playing piano, tap dancing, and singing. So Moms does sing a little bit. She plays a little bit of percussion and she dances her butt off. So <laughs> all of those elements, if you see us live, on uh, uh, live, Moms comes on stage a lot of the times. If she's around, she comes and she'll play a couple of songs with us so or she'll come and, and dance with Pops or whatever. So she's in and out off, off of the stage uh, whenever she wants to. And then as far as Zena's concerned, Zena doesn't really play any percussion. She was more interested in, she's creative, like most of the family, Pops, Peter, Michael, everyone, we all draw, we're all artists. Zena, on the creative side, was uh, she creates things. She if she If you gave her five elements and put it on the desk, no matter what it was, from a drumstick to a, a a popsicle stick with some thread or where she'd build you an arc. I mean she's just like that creative mm-hmm, to figure out how to so she makes things and she's also a a a massage therapist. But her wow. forte and what she really loves to do is dance. So she's a, a, a salsa dancer and she wow. used to also choreograph like she choreographed Sex Symbol, one of my videos. Yeah, and yeah. um she's a dancer. So uh everyone's a little bit uh, and music and arts is the key and very competitive in sports as well that's cool
3: um you started playing music as early as three years old and i'm sure you were being influenced not only by your family but also by the music that they were listening to so growing up who were some of your musical influence that were not family members
1: the, the first um well there are a couple of people the first uh record that i remember really flipping out about and i want to say i might have been nine years old and I just found it yesterday because I'm here in the Bay Area and I found it again and I bought it, which was a Sammy Davis Jr. Live in Las Vegas and I think it was 1966. Wow. Yeah, 1966 and it was Live in Vegas with Buddy Rich and when Pops brought that album home, I listened to it. He he was playing it and when I started listening to it, it just caught my ear and I went, oh man, I want to... I want to listen to this. I want to, and I played it every day and I actually learned that album from front to back um, in a week. I learned all of Sammy Davis Jr.'s
4: parts. <laughs> well, and not really? because
1: of, yeah, not because of Buddy Rich being the drummer. That was cool, but it was Sammy Davis Jr. who influenced me. How he sang, what he did, how he spoke to people and I really got into it. He was a dancer. He was an entertainer and he was one that I looked up to and said, man, I want to be like him too. He's an entertainer. And then after that, the next, person that I saw on television was um, Karen Clark. I mean, not not Karen Clark, Karen Carpenter. I saw Karen Carpenter on her television show with her brother. Mm-hmm. When I saw her playing drums, I looked at Pops and I said, Hey, Pops, she has her own show. How come I don't have my own show? You know, <laughs> I can play drums. So I was influenced by Karen Carpenter. She was an amazing drummer. She does and did do stuff as far as playing snare drum. Amazing technical ability that I I have no idea how she did what she did. I mean, I can't play what she played. She was incredible. So I was influenced by her as well.
3: I love Karen Carpenter myself. Um, Also, I wanted to ask you, being a female in this industry myself and a male-dominated industry, can you tell me any challenges you may have faced growing up in the music business as a female artist?
1: Well, definitely there were challenges. I, I didn't know that there would be because being brought up in a household where... You know, sky was the limit. What We could do and play whatever instrument. No one in our family or pops or moms, no one ever said to us, you can't play this because you're a girl. You know, you can't play this because this is a guy's instrument. That gender was never a factor in our household. So I never knew. I thought that all young girls had percussion in their house, in their home or played percussion. <laughs> sure, that's what you norm. knew, yeah. And until I got out in the world, yeah, and I started playing and, and uh, recording with other artists. Then I got the slack about... Well, you're just here. Or they they were mean to me. They treated me differently. Uh, it was about well, you're just here because you know George Duke or you know whoever, and you're not right. really that good or you know it was that kind of thing to discourage me. And uh, then uh, I I uh, went home and talked to Pops and said, you know, they're being very mean to me. Why are they mean? Because I love what I'm doing. And how what what am I supposed to do? Why don't they like me? And we had a long talk about it. He explained to me, and he said, you know, just be professional and you love to do that this is your passion, you know, deal with it in a way that you go in there with confidence. They're upset because maybe they don't know how to play as good as you or they're not as prepared as you are. You go in there, you're on time, you know, treat people with respect and don't burn any bridges and all of that, you know, everything was positive. So I based my my musicianship and the professionalism in my career based on what Pops had taught me early on. Mm -hmm. So that was great to go in with that situation, but the 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 slack or the the feedback from a lot of the other, and I should say mainly just other male drummers because there weren't very many female, if any, that I I came across that supported me. They were all pretty much, I got more attention than they did or I got things about, well, you know, I can further your career. You're not going to go very far, but if you give me a number and, you know, you and I can get together, hey, (laughs) it was that kind of, okay, then the sexual part came and, you know, if you... If you sleep with me, you know, I'll get you somewhere because, you know, that's the thing to do. Yeah. It was all of the all of the above.
0: Wow. Yeah, it was
3: a mentality almost. Yes. yes.
0: Yeah. You know, Sheila, I read an interview that you gave to the L.A. Times, and they interviewed you about your role with uh, the series of concerts Prince performed earlier this year. And, you know, you kind of said that some nights you performed with Prince and other nights you didn't. And it was almost as if you were on call. But, it, you know, admittedly, this is kind of the way that that Prince works. And you said that, like Prince, you're – you said you're you're a spur of the moment type of person and being in the music business in general you you know you never know what's going to happen next and where the road's going to take you. Do you feel like your career in music has been an example of this? I mean just being ready for the spur of the moment and the opportunity?
1: Absolutely. I <laughs> I live on the edge as far as being spur of the moment and exactly. I can sit here and put my calendar together which we do every single day to figure out what's coming up what what do we have and to be prepared. But I swear, within an hour, everything changes, and it happens every single day. And I welcome it, because a lot of people can't handle change, and they can't handle spur-of-the-moment things that happen. Mm-hmm. But I encourage it, and I'm always ready to go. And it's like, I love that. I love my life to be able to just say, hey, oh, let, you know, I need you to be in Paris tomorrow. Okay, no problem. What time is my flight? I just roll with it, because that's been a great, it's been a great part of my life to experience and just go ahead and go, not to say, well, you know, I'm not really sure and I don't really feel like. No, I just go because I love what I do. So I'm prepared at any point and because God just says, you know what, I, I want you to be there tomorrow or be there next week. God is, is, is my foundation of who I am. Mentally, spiritually, physically, and mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. I, again, I can go ahead and, and put on my calendar what I want, but then God has a sense of humor, and he'll put me places, and he'll open doors that I would never even imagine at the last minute. Yeah, I just say, yeah. well, this ain't me. I got to give credit <laughs> to God because he just, he hooks it up. He puts yeah. me places where he wants me to be.
0: Yeah,
2: I've got a question, Sheila. You you touched based on on being being led by God as to your foundation, that type that type of thing. I noticed that Israel Houghton, who is he, he's a, an amazing worship leader and a musician in his own right, guitarist and all. How did you hook up with Israel? I mean, I, I when I first heard that he was part of this project, and don't have to go into it too much, but how did you guys connect with this and invite him to get into the project?
1: I called him to do the song because it was a song that I had done. I was a musical director for Sisters in the Spirit tour, which had a lot of uh, artists, all women, uh, about four or five years ago, mm-hmm. and that was one of the songs that we had done, something like, something like that. It was part of his, couple of his songs that we had done live on stage. So I really liked that song, and, and we were playing it, and then our church was playing it, and my Pops really liked the song, and there were two songs, and that was one of the two. Mm-hmm. And so we said, you know, let's just put that song on the CD, because we would love to do a, a gospel song, because that's who we are as well. And so I just called up Israel to, you know, ask him if it was okay and would he come and sing the song with us? And He's like, "Are you kidding? Of course. <laughs> I would love to do it." So, we were happy about it. He's he's such a blessing.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, you know, our goal for this interview is to really talk about you and what you're currently working on, but and and I wasn't going to sp- spend a lot of time talking about, you know, your past with Prince and everything, but I do have a few questions if you don't mind. And and I would imagine that um and I was thinking that your relationship with Prince has been a really you know, has to be a priceless element of your career, one that, you know, perhaps brought you a variety of dimensions that there's just no way of measuring. And, you know, but even without this association, there's there's no way in my mind that you would have not been successful. You know All what right. I mean? Yeah, really. <laughs> and, with Absolutely. That's, and with that said, when it comes to Prince, what do you feel you took away from your early association with him?
1: One thing that I learned was about recording in a different way. I've learned that mm-hmm. because I was already an artist before he met me, and actually, when I first met him, the first thing he did when I put my hand out to say hello, he said to me, "I already know who you are. I've been following your career, mm-hmm. and I you're an amazing drummer and percussion player, you know. And I would love one day for you to play with me. So oh. that was the first thing that he said. Mm-hmm. So he had already been following my career. He saw me with George Duke, with you know Herbie, all of these people. Billy Cobham. Um And the thing that I learned about it is that learned from him was that. Being in the studio, a lot of the artists that i performed with in the studio, not live, but in the studio, everybody recorded a specific way, very clean. Everything had to be taped up, you know, make sure it was mic'd, and then take the time, if it was an hour, half an hour, two hours, to get a drum sound or, you know, percussion sound. And with Prince, the thing is, is I would barely be done. My drums would barely be set up, and he'd count off the song, let's just play. It wasn't about getting the sound. It's like whatever your instrument sounds like, that's what it should sound like, Mm -hmm. and not to tape it up. And, and again, I always say, you know, it's great that people always want to ask what I've taken or learned from Prince, but it's like, you, because you guys can't really have interviews with him or you don't, and he doesn't, but yeah. you really, at one day, have to ask him what he's learned from me, because it's yep. just as even. And sure. he's learned a lot from me and my family, and it's it's we've been a blessing in his life.
2: Yeah. I've got one last question. Me and Rick, prior to the interview, were talking about how clean the recording, you know, Rick, uh, the engineering and, uh, oh, great. And it, oh, yeah. it's just beautiful. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about the production, the recording, and, uh, and, and how you, from a technical side, a little bit.
1: Yeah, the process of it was we did most of it in my studio. And uh, my godson, Michael Davison, um, he came from Minneapolis, and I told him we were going to do the project. And uh, he recorded most, most, almost all, except for a couple of songs. And that was the process, was to do... Everything in my studio, as well as Peter Michael's studio and uh you know we're we're used to being in the studio so we know how things should sound or how we would like it to sound and mm-hmm. uh michael and and Raymond and peter michael and we we all got together and basically made sure that it sounded good, but Michael Davison did an incredible job with uh getting all the the sound in the way that he heard and the way that we heard and how we wanted it to sound it, it was a It was an easy process again because if you let the player just be the player and that's what the, the instrument sounds like there's not a lot that you really need to do with it if you mic it right and if it's, if it's eq right it's it's uh it should just speak for itself
0: yeah right one of my favorite tracks on now and forever is a song called get out of my way and i am going to go ahead and play that tune and it's from our guest today sheila e and the e family
5: I've seen death and I've seen living I've taken it down but I can't stop giving I've had it good but I can't forget You can be well, you can be sick I can be tired but I can't stop running I can be mad but I can't stop loving I was gone but now I'm coming Uh, Don't ask me if I'm okay Get out of my way
4: If you're not helping out,
5: then you're hurting me. Get out of my way. Get into my world. If you're not helping out, then you're hurting me. And I would never do that to you. Making me laugh, but just not funny.
0: Well, Sheila, you know, when Eddie and I were researching, you know, this interview, um, we, you know, we just, you have to be one of the busiest people in, in the business because you're just involved in so many, it, my head was spinning, you know, I, I, really? I knew so many elements about you because I've been a fan for so long, but I had no idea. All of the various, you know, uh, you know, projects and and that you've been involved in over the years. And I I'll just I know you gotta go, but there's there's a couple of things that you're involved in. One is a group called CoEd with Cat uh, Kat Dyson, Rhonda Smith, Cassandra O'Neill and yourself. And uh there's a foundation that you're involved in called Elevate Hope Foundation, and that I just encourage our, our listeners to check that out because it's a really unique uh project. Thank you.
1: Yeah, uh co ed is uh I wanted to have an all-girls band, uh, you know, 15 years ago. And so we got together and put that band together. And uh, it's been a great response, actually. Everyone's Mm -hmm. been really cool about it. And uh, so that in itself, I mean, um, to be able to play with women that can really, really play. And again, not to say that women can't play. It's just that they're great musicians. And that was the great part about it. They're incredible musicians. And as far as Elevate Hope, Elevate Hope Foundation, my manager, Lynn, and I started the foundation about uh thirteen fourteen years ago, and we did it because we wanted to give back to the kids because we had both uh, we we ended up finding out that not just the both of us but many many people have been abused in some kind of way, and mm-hmm. the thing that was the key to healing people was music it music healed me, it healed her, it healed a lot of people so mm-hmm. we we decided to make this something that we wanted to do and and share and uh, spread the words. So we use music and artist therapy to help the kids, and we we found out that definitely that music has healed these kids. There were, there were some kids that were so abused that we talked to. Them. Actually, they couldn't speak to us because they were shut down so bad mm-hmm. uh, because of their lives. And bringing music and percussion and stuff actually helped them to open up and be able to communicate with people. And mm-hmm. and uh, it's just been a blessing because some of those kids that didn't speak are now speaking, and now they're continuing to, to love music just as much and they've actually said that it has saved their lives so we know the Elevate Hope Foundation you can go on to elevatehope.org and check it out but it, it's just been a miracle in itself if we, if I could just do that I would um, it, it's, and we yeah. always need help but I mean to get the word out these kids need our help in these foster facilities they need our help really bad
0: that's very Good cool hey Sheila thanks so much for your time we know you gotta go uh, but we really appreciate you spending time with us here on in Inside Music Cast and we really enjoyed this interview
1: Thank you so much. Whenever you guys want to come back, I mean, I can come back and talk next time, but thank you. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for your support, and uh, we hope to see you soon.
0: All right. We'll stay in touch. We'll talk to you later.
1: Thank you, Sheila. Thank you so much. God bless. Bye-bye.
0: Special thanks to Sheila E. for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. Also, very special thanks to Inside Music Cast correspondents Scott Gross, Brian Pearson, Kim Riley, Max Zabe, Uwe Wright, and Mikhail Engstrom. And please visit our website at InsideMusicCast.com, where you can catch up on all of our past interviews, read the Inside Opinion blog, and check out additional bonus content. Inside Music Cast is also on Facebook, where you can become a fan and join in on music conversation with Inside Music Cast fans from around the world. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast.